Hello, hello, and welcome to the second episode of Frankie's Mama Reads. As always, you can find me on Instagram and Goodreads at Frankie's Mama Reads. Now, if you listened to my first episode, which is not a prerequisite, you do not have to go back and listen to the first episode, but if you did, you heard my list of 14 books that I got to read before libraries closed and the lockdown happened. So today, I'm going to talk about what I thought of the first three of those books that I read. I read two mystery thrillers and one historical fiction. I will be reviewing the rest of these books that I mentioned in the first episode in future episodes, so if you're waiting to hear what I thought of a different book from my list, definitely stay tuned. It's coming. Now before I jump into today's book reviews, I want to do a spotlight on a small bookish business. I say bookish because while this of course will include bookstores, this will also include small businesses that sell really cool stuff like bookish t-shirts and bookish tote bags and all the cool book-related things that you want to get your hands on. So let's support these small businesses and the first small business that I would love for you guys to support is femfirebooks.com. So that's F-E-M-M-E firebooks.com. It's a small online bookshop that focuses on female authors, not exclusively, but that is their focus. And they have a lot of really cool books on there that you can find for amazing prices. Um, For example, I saw a book by B.A. Paris on there, some children's books by Jacqueline Woodson, a lot of classics. You can get Agatha Christie. So there's books on there for $5, $3, pretty amazing prices. And you're supporting a small business online, so you're able to still buy your books and get them delivered to you, therefore not getting out and spreading the coronavirus everywhere, and you're doing your part to flatten the curve while still being able to read and still supporting a small business. So definitely check out femfirebooks.com. You can also follow them on Instagram at femfirebooks, and that's a great way to be able to stay in touch and see what they've got coming to their store. Also, they have a really consistent uh, Instagram feed. It's very pretty. So definitely check that out and um, take a look at what they have to offer at their store. If you have a small bookish business that you want me to spotlight, definitely send me a message. That um, previous one was not an ad. I just really like that company and wanted to give them a shout out right now because We should all be doing our part, if we can, to support our small businesses. So if you have a small business that uh, sells bookish things and you want it mentioned on the next episode, send me a message and I will definitely get a shout out for you. Alright, so today, like I said, I'm going to be reviewing three books that I have read so far during this lockdown stay-at-home time. The three books that I'm going to talk about today are The Secret She Keeps by Michael Robotham, Eight Perfect Murders by Peter Swanson, and The Girls with No Names by Serena Burdick. So let's go ahead and start off with The Secret She Keeps by Michael Robotham. So this book is 382 pages in the hardcover, and that's about 12 hours in the audiobook form. On Goodreads, it has a 4.02 rating, which is really good. So Goodreads has a tougher grading scale. People tend to kind of Uh, rate harshly. So 4.02 is 
very good for Goodreads. The Secret She Keeps came out in 2017, and it's currently less than $5 on thriftbooks.com for the hardcover. That's not an ad. That's just a helpful tip during the stay-at-home time. It's tough to find books, especially with the library closed, since that is, of course, the most affordable option for finding books. Now, I read this one in particularly right now because it is going to be a TV show. Actually, it already is a TV show. Um, I just saw on Michael Robotham's Instagram that this is now out in Australia. So if you happen to be listening from Down Under, you can go ahead and watch this already. So I'm super jealous. So it's not in the US yet, but it has been picked up and I can't wait. The photos look perfectly disturbing and while I know I'll have to wait months to see this, I'm already hoping that more of his books become TV shows. Now, like I said in episode one, when I introduced this book, this one comes with a trigger warning for anyone who is trying to conceive, currently pregnant, or who just stays away from stories involving these issues. Don't worry, that's far from a spoiler. Um, This book and TV show, I guess, is a psychological thriller following two pregnant women. Now their lives are quite different, but they have, they both have huge secrets they will do anything to keep. So here's how it goes. Megan doesn't know Agatha, but Agatha knows Megan. And that's where the plot gets excitingly creepy. Both characters are narrators, so we get to learn their secrets and We know what they're hiding, but they don't know that the other one even has secrets. It's crazy. So Agatha knows Megan, like I said, or at least she thinks she does. She knows her because Megan is a customer who shops at the local grocery store where Agatha is a clerk. Agatha knows Megan has two kids, a good looking husband, and runs a popular mommy blog. Or I probably should say, mummy blog, as this is a British book. So Agatha sees what we see of our acquaintances on social media, the highlight reel of their life, if you will. And like so often happens, Agatha envies Megan's quote unquote, perfect life. Now the secret she keeps is really fast paced, which I personally love. I have trouble with slow burns sometimes. So this being a fast paced book for me was perfect. Um, Robotham keeps you guessing and reveals secrets gradually, so it makes you keep reading to see what's next. You just, I personally had no clue. Um, I'm a huge fan of his, obviously, and I have yet to be disappointed by any of this, of his books, and this is no exception. I gave this one five stars on Goodreads. Now, given the nature of this book, if you're needing a book to escape current anxieties, this may not be the best choice. That just depends on where you are and how you feel about stories with pregnancy, labor, etc. But if the plot intrigued you at all, I highly recommend adding it to your list. And if you're an Aussie listener, then I highly recommend checking out the new TV series. Um, If you're British, it's coming soon. If you're in the US, it's coming soon-ish. But if you check out the new series before the US gets it, message me and tell me how it is because I cannot wait to find out how amazing that TV show is. It looks pretty awesome. So that is what I thought about um, 
the secret she keeps without giving out any spoilers, of course. There's so many twists and turns, so I don't want to say too, too much about it. Just know that it is thrilling, kind of creepy, and really just gets you from, from the start, and you just want to know what is happening next. So if you need something fast to read, definitely check out The Secret She Keeps. So the next book is Eight Perfect Murders by Peter Swanson. This one is 270 pages and about eight hours in audiobook form and has a 3.7 rating on Goodreads. So that's still a good rating, um, obviously not as good as The Secret She Keeps, but it is definitely much shorter than The Secret She Keeps. So this one goes even faster than that one. Now, this book came out in March of this year, so it is brand new. Um, I was able to find it on my library's audiobook app as well as in the library, so I definitely check that out if this is an option where you live. Now, this one is chock full of classic mystery feels. It feels like a tribute to classic mystery writers like Agatha Christie and the others that are um, featured in this book. It's written in the first person, so it's directly to the reader. I know some people have strong opinions on the first person narrative. Personally, I love it. It feels a lot like when a TV show breaks the fourth wall, and so for me that's just perfect. So in Eight Perfect Murders, Malcolm is our main character and narrative of this self-dubbed memoir. He's also the author of a blog post that consisted of a list of eight perfect murders. In the blog post, he starts out by saying that if you haven't read one of these books, the eight books he mentions, and want to go in cold, read the book before reading his list. So read those eight before reading his list of the eight. I felt like this was Peter Swanson basically saying, hey reader, don't read this book if you don't want spoilers. Heed this warning. I will tell you, this book does spoil all eight books. So just go in knowing that all eight will be spoiled. The eight novels that he completely spoils are The ABC Murders, Strangers on a Train, The Red House Mystery, Malice Aforethought, Double Indemnity, The Drowner, the, uh, the Secret History, and Death Trap. Now, these eight books came out between 1922 and 1992. So for being honest, they probably aren't books you're dying to read if you haven't already. And having said that, even though I now know the plot of ABC Murders, this book actually made me want to read it. So I picked up a copy of that too. And I also added The Drowner to my list on Goodreads to pick up at some point. So even if it does spoil the books, it does introduce them and, and make them so intriguing that you may still want to read them after. So just know going in, they're going to be spoiled and make your decision based on that. Now, basically, Malcolm wrote the blog post with the list years ago. So that was way back in the day. And now in present day, an FBI agent has shown up to ask him questions about the eight books he listed because they've found a string of murderers that seems to be following that list. From the moment that Agent Mulvey, the FBI agent, arrived till the end, I was constantly guessing, incorrectly, about who may have been to blame for these murders. I thought it was eight different people. I thought that it was the person A, person B, no clue. I, I didn't know. 
Um, because Swanson actually introduced quite a few characters, which made for a real whodunit. Like, I, I didn't know. There's just too many options, and too many, I mean, in a good way, options of who could have been the murderer. So this is like, it feels like a classic murder mystery, which makes it a great book to distract from current events. So it's a quick read, and while it is a murder mystery, like I said, it's not heavy, and it's not scary. It's actually, um pretty right in the middle it's far from a cozy mystery so if you prefer a mystery that comes with like a feline sidekick or a good recipe this ain't it and don't get me wrong i love a good cozy mystery every now and then but that will be a different episode i, I promise i will definitely do a cozy mystery episode it there, there's so many so i'll do one but this won't be on that list because this one isn't cozy necessarily, but it's also not so hard-hitting that you're kind of scared. For me, Eight Perfect Murders was a four-star book. Um, the plot idea was really intriguing, and the twists were not all predictable. I'd say there might be one or two or, you know, that were, but there's plenty of twists, so I don't think you're going to be able to guess all of them. The memoir style of this book was also a slam dunk for me. I just loved the... Um, the, the fact that it was a memoir and that the author or narrator was speaking directly to me, it felt very interactive. So that was also pretty cool. So I'd say if you're looking for something to distract, this one might be it if you like murder mysteries, particularly if you like classic murder mysteries. The third book that we'll talk about today is The Girls With No Names by Serena Burdick. This book is 325 pages which is about 12 and a half hours in audiobook form and has a 4.1 rating on Goodreads. So of the three that I mentioned today, this one's the highest rated. It's pretty new. It came out in January of this year and I saw that it was on Target.com for about $12. So that might be a good option if you're looking uh, for a book right now and can't get to a bookstore. So this book is a historical fiction and back in college, I majored in history with a minor in women's studies, which basically meant I focused on women's history, mostly in the U.S. This book is set in the Gilded Age, which is the 1910s, and it's set in New York City. Now, I've noticed that I read a lot of books set in New York, but very few are historical, and they're never in the 1910s for whatever reason. So I was excited to mix up my historical fiction choices by adding this to the mix. I usually gravitate towards World War II books, and I'm sure you know there are a ton of books set during World War II and the 1940s in general. So to read a book set in New York before women even had the right to vote was so needed. As for Girls With No Names, we follow Luella and Effie Tilden, who are sisters who grew up in an upper-class family near the House of Mercy, which is a home where girls are sent when they've been deemed bad apples. It's really, it's called a home, but it's a prison. It's pretty terrible. Luella and Effie one day learn a secret about their father, and shortly after, Luella disappears. She's just vanished. Effie is certain that her parents sent Luella to the House of Mercy because I guess they had threatened before to send her, or at least her father had threatened before that he would send her to the House of Mercy. So Effie works out a plan to get herself into the House of Mercy too. 
After this plan works out, when she gets there, she quickly realizes that she made a huge mistake. So now she has to figure out how to escape these nuns who run the house and make life miserable for the girls who live there. I can't even begin to describe these nuns. Now, personally, I went to a women's college that was founded by nuns, and I knew a few nuns really well. I mean, as well as you can know, nuns who are your professors. But the nuns I knew were and still are angels. They were so nice, so just beautiful people. The nuns in this book are not. And really, those nuns in this book were real in real life, because the House of Mercy was real. So the nuns in this uh, time period at this particular location were not people that you wanted to be around or definitely have as your uh, house mothers and in charge of your life because they did not make life easy it was it was pretty terrible like I like I said I cannot describe how bad it was um, but the, the author does a great job so this is the first book that I've actually read by this author Serena Burdick but it won't be the last that I read and here's why I am not an emotional person. So half the time when someone says, oh my god, such and such a book made me cry, I read it and I don't. I, I feel it sometimes, but I don't, I don't, I don't cry with books or movies or anything like that. And I won't say that this book made me cry, but it was definitely an emotional book. I felt things um, for characters and, and just in general, which for me is a lot to get out of a book. And I will say that um, it is pretty bleak this book and even on Goodreads a lot of the reviews say that as well so while I say it is emotional the back of the book says it's heartwarming and I'm not quite sure um, how they define heartwarming because it's pretty bleak so go into that knowing that the book has a 4.1 reading on Goodreads like I said um, and I read some of the one and two star reviews and a lot of the critiques are that this book is slow now, like I mentioned before with The Secret She Keeps, I love fast-paced books and don't like slow burns. I didn't find this book to be a slow burn myself, which is odd since I do tend to hate slow burns. And other people say this is a slow burn, or some people, the one in two star ratings, but it's got a 4.1, so there aren't that many of those. Um, but it could be fast-paced for me because I already love women's history. So that could be my bias going in. So if you love women's history or just history in general, this might be the perfect book for you to pick up. But given that it is so bleak, I'm not sure that this would necessarily be the best book if you're having anxiety right now because of current events. So just also know that going in. Um, but I would 100% suggest that you put this on your list to read at some point either now if you're cool with that or later if that makes more sense for you and your emotional state right now um, if you're an emotional reader maybe this isn't the one for you right now if you're sad as it is but I still suggest picking it up or adding it to your list to read at some point because I, I personally thought it was really good and like I said a 4.1 on Goodreads is just so high that you might as well check it out. Now, I'll be honest, I didn't see how many ratings there were on Goodreads, but it was a substantial number, and this one came out in January, so there should be enough on there for that to be a pretty fair uh, rating. 
All right, so that wraps up episode two of Frankie's Mama Reads. If you enjoyed it, you can subscribe, and every Monday you will get to hear the newest episode. Next week, the episode is going to be pretty cool. I am going to be talking about books that feature time travel, because if you're like me, you're kind of thinking maybe a different time would be cool to live in right about now. So stay tuned and look for that episode to drop on Monday. Until then, follow me on Goodreads and Instagram at Frankie's Mama Reads, and I'll catch you Monday.